Rye Smile Films presents The Shot. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Hello, Rye Nation. Ready for The Shot this week? We got a good one for you. This is... uh, Let's call call it MCU Madness. All right, I like that. Yeah, yeah. A machination that's birthed from the lack of NCAA basketball that's going on unless you want to binge some older game that's on TV. And I have to admit, I did watch a few of those myself. (laughs) You're jonesing. A little bit. <laughs> so what we've done is we've seeded the top 16 Marvel films based on their IMDb scores. One through 16, one being highest score, 16 being lowest. There are some noticeable omissions in here, mm-hmm. and the selection process has nothing to do with your eyes' choices. It's just simply the overall score as they are put on IMDb. Yeah. So there's some noticeable omissions in here and a couple ones that made it in, but like every NCAA you mean tournament. Thor the Dark World isn't on here? <laughs> didn't make it. <laughs> but I think that's interesting because much like the NCAA tournament selection show, yeah. there's always a couple that are head scratchers how they got in and a couple very noticeable omissions. And mm-hmm. I'd like to get to those as we move through this. Sure. But here's how we're going to go. We're going to... Look at each one of these brackets, and we just did one through 16. So we did each one of these first eight matchups in the first round and decide which of the movies would advance based on the following criteria. Okay, score, which we've already noted. The revenue that the film made worldwide while in circulation. That's also included. Mm -hmm. Third was going to be the impact that it has on the Marvel Universe or the MCU Avengers 22 film Mm -hmm. run. And then third, simply rewatchability or likability. So those are the four grading criteria. The first two are standard. We can't change them. It's how much money it made and what the score was. So um, I guess we'll just start and kind of kick it off. Let's cheers here. We're doing some Old Forester. This is the Statesman line here for for old forester uh, so i haven't tried this yet so let's go ahead and give it a go okay mm-hmm. yeah we might be making a lot of returns to old forester it's some pretty good um, bourbon and whiskey it does seem to be very popular <clears throat> among the show's hosts right now doesn't it, it? sure does <laughs> yeah so let's get started let's get started with round one here and our first matchup why don't you hit us with that matt first round matchup is the very, very rare to happen. One versus 16, where 16 upsets one, and that's Baltimore County over Virginia, who then, God bless my Cavaliers, came back and won the national title the next cha- next year. But this is, at number one, end game. Highest score on IMD, IMDb, sorry. 2.8 billion generated worldwide versus Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp. Checking in at a lofty at once upon a time. This was a big number. Yeah. 625 million. This is, this is not even, it's not even close. It's end game and stomping on them like little bugs. Yeah. How rewatchable is Ant-Man and the Wasp really actually didn't like that film. Yeah. It kind of felt like a stepping stone in between the cliffhanger of infinity war and what was going to be served up next in end game to kind of fill in that, that time space void that Ant-Man was going to bring. But I'd rather watch the first Ant-Man than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's too bad, too, because I think there are some possibilities with that, but it didn't happen. Although it still Mm -hmm. is in the top 16. Now, barely. Yeah, yeah. But top 16. Yeah. So I think I'm moving endgame up to the next round. Virginia advances over Maryland, Baltimore County, doesn't it? (laughs) Just want to go right down the line? Let's do it. 
Okay, next is the very tricky matchup in the round of 16, which is 8-9. Okay. This is tough. This is really tough, okay? Mm-hmm. So checking in at 8 at $1.1 billion is Civil War. And checking in at 9 at $864 million is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm. So there's a little bit of difference between the revenue there, but I don't know if that's enough to really change it. They're essentially the same score. So I think those two are mostly a wash. Um, Civil War did make a little bit more money and had a slightly higher rating than Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think we have a pretty pretty strong matchup here in the round of 16, don't we? Yeah. What do you like? I really like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and if anything, I think it's better than the first one, actually. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really great themes in that film that get played out. James Gunn's on the... T- just top form writing all of those characters. It's a tough one because the Civil War story does represent quite a bit of what happens in the entire MCU, and that's pulled off expertly by the Russo brothers. That airport sequence is masterful. They reintroduce Spider-Man and Black Panther in this film. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting one. I do like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Does that have to do with Kurt Russell though? I don't think so. No. I think the soundtrack is is even is even better than the first one. Give you that. The stuff with Yondu and Peter Quill is excellent. Agreed. The humor is just out of this world with Drax and Mantis. Watch out. So good. I think it's just a lot more enjoyable. The second journey with those characters. It was fun the first time and and probably more unique that time. But I thought they they all really stepped it up there. I don't disagree with any of that. Mm-hmm. My question is then. Regarding the MCU in total, mm-hmm. is Civil War more important, though, than Guardians 2? It probably is. Story-wise. I think propelling the franchise forward, yes. Um, but I, I'm on board with what you said there. The Drax stuff in Guardians 2, to me, is priceless. <laughs> it's really good. I'm moving so slow, I'm almost invisible. Yeah. So good. But I think, yeah, I think just for totality of what Civil War kind of represents as a rift and breaking off point for for the MCU just as a whole, I think that's probably the victor in this round. Barely. Barely. It's it's a close one. Three-pointer at the buzzer. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe overtime. Okay, so I'm with you. So I think we're in agreement on the first two. So that's in-game over the Ant-Man Wasp, Civil War versus in-game. I'm sorry, Civil War over Guardians. See, that's a nice matchup in the round of eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, next is 413. Also, I think another really interesting one in sort of the argument that we just had. Yeah. I know we're both going to be in agreement on likability on this, but yeah. let's talk about totality of the sum of the sum of the parts. So Age of Ultron to me was kind of that anticipated sequel that's kind of setting up, you know, the first one was such a smash success and you know, everyone was kind of looking forward to seeing these characters again. And to me, a lot of that film from Joss Whedon feels very rushed and very bloated. It's a film trying to do many different things and trying to throw in the kitchen sink at the same time. It's a very busy film. Now the end of it does set up the events of civil war, but I think everything that guardians does and sets up is far more important that than what uh, age Voltron's able to pull off. But also what's really interesting about this matchup is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is the fourth seeded film Mm -hmm. and Age of Ultron is 13. So it's not 13-4, it's Guardians at 4 and Ultron Mm -hmm. at 13. I was not a fan Mm -hmm. of Ultron 
at the first viewing mm-hmm. nor the second viewing. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not something that I think I'm going to turn off and and give up on. I just it didn't live up to what I think Avengers was. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, I mean, I, I guess you can kind of start making the case for vision a little bit. If you remove that film mm-hmm. from the MCU universe, is the story that culminates at the end of 22 films really going to suffer that much? I mean, a little bit, just because they set up the Sokovia Accords in Age of Ultron, and that's the event there, and that's heavily played into Civil War, so we probably don't have the Civil War, but if you go from Winter Soldier into Civil War, you kind of have the same thing, this kind of right. messing around with ideals and and Cap's whole vision and, and what Iron Man stands for. Yeah, you probably can just, yeah, maybe we don't have vision, but I'm sure we could get him along the way. Sure. But I think Guardians opens up the cosmic Marvel universe, and that's, to me, bigger for what this new phase is actually going to represent. So, And a direct introduction to Purple is Purple... As a power. Power Stone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And our first kind of look at an attempt by Thanos to expand an army. So, again, I think maybe you and I are three for three on these selections, and that's Guardian 1 over Age of Ultron, yeah? Yep. Let's move on. To that. Wow, we're in three agreements. That's all right. All right, what's next? Mm-hmm. I think this is the toughest one on here. Okay. Okay. The dreaded five twelve matchup. So checking in at five, fifth highest IMDB score. Okay. Now, the numbers are a bit low on this, only $585 million, but this is the beginning of the franchise, so we weren't used to breaking the bank the way they got later. Mm-hmm. That's five. Twelve is Black Panther. Mm. Yeah, and Black Panther is $1.35 billion. What a great matchup. In the threshold to my bedroom, I have two Mondo posters, one of Iron Man and one of Black Panther. <laughs> I've been fighting this one in my mind all day long. I don't know. Like the arguments you and I are making mm-hmm. impact on the universe rewatchability, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think this is straight wash. Yeah, this is... Because you can say you can't have the end of this without Black Panther, but then you don't even have the beginning without Iron Man. Um, <clears throat> I and- really like the first Iron Man. It's uh, probably, so top, probably top three for me, actually. Okay. To me, Iron Man represents uh, a really great starting point. It was definitely them not putting the the cart before the horse. It was the slow steps to lead up to a, a shared universe that was introduced at the end of that film with Samuel L. Jackson. And taking a risk on Robert Downey Jr., who prior to that was kind of getting clean a little bit, but to put this $100 million film on his shoulders on his ability to be a bankable star was... that, that back. It seems crazy now, but back then it was kind of, yeah, a head-scratcher. And for the most part, that screenplay, there was no screenplay. A lot of the most of that story was just ad-libbed on the set. That was they were kind of figuring they knew the placements of everything. They just didn't have dialogue for it. So you would never tell by watching the movie. It feels just so natural. To me, I don't think you can have any of this universe if that film's a gigantic flop, because then do you even get to do a sequel to Iron Man? Does Disney even bother buying Marvel properties if if there's not momentum with these purchases. To me, Black Panther's a crazy cultural milestone of a film that made more domestically than most of these films, which is pretty remarkable for a 
Biggest February release in the history of film. It made more than Infinity War domestically in 2018. I, I think that, that that was the year. Huge, huge numbers for that film for kind of like a C-list Marvel character at that. And I think C-list might be generous. Yeah. But I think Ryan Coogler, Chadwick, everyone involved on that totally knocked that film out of the park. The other thing, too, that's at the crux of this matchup, which I think seems to be even a lot of, why, mm-hmm. a lot of ways, is where Stark is struggling with the legacy of Stark. Mm-hmm. T'Challa is struggling with the legacy of Wakanda, too. Mm-hmm. So it's an ascension of sorts to the throne and the burden that goes with that. And I don't mean Starks in so much as the prize-winning pig of the Avengers. Yeah. I mean the Stark <clears throat> mantle that he has to put himself upon mm-hmm. and carry that carry that load. Yeah. So they both are even kind of playing with the same idea. Yeah. So here's my question. Yeah. I have I a question for you too. You want me to go first or let yeah, me go you, since yeah, I'm you talking? Go, you go first, yeah. I know we don't have the Avengers mm-hmm. if there's no Iron Man. Mm-hmm. But then do we have an end that is as suitable as the final two films if we don't get Wakanda? Probably not. It's tough, isn't it? It so is. We're talking about beginning and end. It is tough, but I, I try to like to to think back to the success of the first Iron Man, and I don't think we get Black Panthers or Ant Man's or Doctor Strange if that's not a, a lock. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's a big risk that paid off dearly, and then they took their time to build the universe, but all built around him, really. Well, and truthfully, to use Iron Man as the launching point for this, that was so risky choice with Downey. It's kind of all they had, really. Marvel right. property. And because yeah. Iron Man's not a good read. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I, I mean, his best enemy, his his main protagonist might be the bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about the Mandarin, but it's the bottle. Yeah. And there's no way they were going to make him alcoholic as a return mm-hmm. from, but using Downey also played into that a little bit. And that's why that casting of him is so perfect mm-hmm. because he's kind of Tony Stark-ish yeah. from the look to the manner yeah. to... The whole deal. I'm kind of feeling Iron Man here. I don't know about you. You said you had a question for me. Oh, I kind of, I kind of just said it. Actually, it. it was, it was. Do you think you have any of these other characters? If that's not a success, okay, I'm with you barely. Mm-hmm. I think we it's have very close. Yeah, this is double overtime, maybe. So we have our top half of the bracket done. Alrighty. So should we set the stage on that? So in round two, we have Endgame versus Civil War. That's one versus eight, mm-hmm. and Guardians one versus Iron Man and four five. Yep. It's a doozy. Let's move on to the lower bracket. Bottom part of the bracket. Number two. Um, this one, I, I have a whole little deal with this coming up. But okay. this is number two at $2 billion, which is Infinity War, mm-hmm. versus number 15 at $1.2 And how this made the list, <laughs> Iron Man 3. My gosh. This is easy for me. <laughs> this is a boat race. This is a just a... Yeah, this is uh, just a massacre on the on the court. So you know, every year when that conference, that's the ACC or one of the Power Five, gets like Virginia Tech or Clemson, which is the ninth placed ACC team in, or somehow <clears throat> Kansas State sneaks in to the turn, and it's based on mm-hmm. a resume of we played a really tough slate of teams, yeah. and we didn't beat anybody except like Creighton yeah. in a pre-holiday pre-conference season. So we made a movie that made a billion dollars and people think they like it, but maybe they don't know why they like it. Coattails. <laughs> yeah. It's coattails. Yeah. Every Washington state appearance in the NCAA tournament is Iron Man three in this regard. They're terrible. They're always terrible. They're going to get drubbed in the first round. Mm-hmm. And so is this. Mm. 
I this remember is the biggest slaughter of all of them. One of my favorite film viewing experiences with you was actually Iron Man three because you and I were very much looking forward to because the trailers Shane Black like it had all the pieces in place and halfway through the movie you turn to me and you go this movie is actually pretty brilliant like the stuff he's doing with Harley the kid like this is a good dynamic and like him without the suit like this is pretty good. Five minutes later, it could not have gotten any worse, and you get the Mandarin reveal, and it was just schlock upon schlock, and then Pepper with the extremis and Guy Pierce, and it was so schlocky. Like that's a hard, and I've I've watched it again since. So I was like, maybe I was too hard on it. No, I wasn't hard enough. <laughs> Should have walked out and asked for your money back. Yeah, that was that's pretty. That's rough. Yeah, that's that's a that's a. It's a, a cakewalk for Infinity War. Actually, that viewing did turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. literally the next scene changed that yeah and I, what just what and it was like just fueled by more bad decision making all righty okay seven ten. okay oh good one here too mm-hmm. okay checking in at seven mm-hmm. captain america winter soldier at Ooh. 714 million checking in at number 10 mm-hmm. dr strange 678 million essentially a wash as far as <clears throat> money yeah. and scores mm-hmm. okay I'm going to say, and this is based solely on personal preference, okay. that this is, for me, Doctor Strange in a squeaker, mm-hmm. because I think as perfectly cast as Cumberbatch is as Stephen Strange is how strugglingly perceived Sebastian Stan may be. Mm-hmm as the winter soldier. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not there, Mm -hmm. but he's still Bucky and the winter soldier is Bucky. So there's a natural transformation. He just seems to me very little on the screen Mm -hmm. and there's mostly nothing that he does outside of his mechanical arm. Yeah. He's like a bad version of black widow who already has a very limited skill set. Yeah. This is Doctor Strange. If we're talking for me, the totality of where the Avengers, MCU, Marvel, it's got to be Doctor Strange. Okay. You get a stone in it. And I know we have Winter Soldier, which leads into Civil War. We don't need that film, in my opinion, to continue the, the process of the franchise growing. But Strange is essential to Endgame and Infinity War. Let me make the case for Winter Soldier then. Okay, yeah. Uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's there's a problem with sequels. Uh, whether it's the Thor sequels or, uh, you know, the Iron Man stuff. Uh, Winter Soldier, to me, took a pretty vanilla Captain America, the first Avenger, and really brought him into the modern age by two directors, the Russo brothers, who went on to essentially helm the the big films coming up in the franchise, Mm -hmm. who had never really made a film. They had cut their teeth on community and Arrested Development episodes. And the way that they portrayed Cap in there, and to me, my favorite version of Captain America, it's not the stuff in World War II or or anything. It's always him kind of dealing with the man out of time. What's he doing now, now that he's this present-day kind of soldier type of a thing? I think that story itself is probably the finest sequel that the MCU has produced and then the disbanding of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, you have you have Bucky the Winter Soldier, but you also have um, Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford in there, too. And the way that they they stage the action, like when Cap fights it, like it feels it feels right when when he's kind of doing battle with them. And then the espionage stuff with Zola and Black Widow, I think it all plays really well. To me, that's a really rewatchable film with one of the central pieces of the Marvel Universe, which is Captain America. 
uh, and it's a spy thriller at the end of the day, kind of like three days of the condor or any like of those like seventies, like <laughs> all, all the president's men or something like that. I do like Dr. Strange. It's again, it's kind of in that camp of, man, I'm really lucky. We got a Dr. Strange and we are really lucky. We got an Ant-Man, but to me, the winter soldier is a very well-crafted and well-made sequel to the MCU. I don't disagree with that. I mm-hmm. like that film too. They're, it's really rewatchable. Mm-hmm. The trick here, I think, is deciding which of those two characters, because they're both pretty B-list. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the Winter Soldier has an important arc in the death of Captain America mm-hmm. and what that means going forward with him taking the mantle for a little while, blah, blah, blah. I, I get it in Comicdom, but we're not doing Comicdom. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we're doing Filmdom. Yeah, and I think it's still important in the films because the what Winter Soldier's role is in, in Civil War as well with the killing of Stark's parents. Is the disbanding of S.H.I.E.L.D. more important than discovery of the Time Stone? Mm. I know. It's one of six stones. S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back together, though. I know. Man, I got to be honest with you. I've only seen Doctor Strange one time, and that was in the theater. And it's not that I didn't dislike it. It's that... It's Doctor Strange. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I'm, doc, I know. Have you ever seen the original Doctor Strange, the, like, the TV version with like the Gabe Kaplan lookalike? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Welcome back. <laughs> it's so bad. It's such a bad film. I don't know. I'm stuck here. I don't know either. Let's let that one marinate for a minute and come back. Because okay. either one of them are going to get smoked in round two anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> like Neither one of those is touching Infinity War. <laughs> Should we just flip a coin? Um, That's so lame. Yeah. Uh, how On a scale of one to ten, yeah. give me your ratings <clears throat> for each of them. I've always held Winter Soldier to like in pretty high regard. If I had to like rank my films, like Iron Man's three, I have like winter soldier, like number two. And that's coming from like, I'm not like huge on captain America because Wait, winter soldiers, your second favorite film in the whole. Yeah. in the whole MCU. Okay. Cause I can't make the argument that Dr. Strange is my second favorite film mm-hmm. in the Marvel. So by that, then we will allow the favorite to advance and the winter soldier beats Dr. Strange. By the hair of his chinny chin chin. And I'm fine with that. Cause it's a short run for both. Of us. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. who are we kidding? Yeah. Okay. All right, so we're on to 314. Okay. Okay, so the initial Avengers versus Ant-Man. Mm. Initial Avengers at 1.5 billion and Ant-Man at 519 million. Let's make the case for Ant-Man that I know we both agree with. Yeah. It's very similar to Winter Soldier and Doctor Strange. Yeah. A an entirely forgettable character and not even the proper Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Right? The good stuff is the the Pym and Janet um, Van Dyne, or I'm sorry, Jen, Janet uh, Van Dyne. Yeah, yeah, Janet, like all the domestic stuff that happened between the, in the comics. And then he he creates Ultron too. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. So we're getting Scott Lang. So we're not even getting that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great movie. I think it's a brilliant script. I think it's really well casted. Paul Rudd's fantastic. It's funny. You know what kills me about Ant Man anytime I think about it? I kind of I wonder like what the version that. Edgar Wright was going to do before he was like, I can't, I can't work with Marvel because they're, they're just like, so cookie cutter. They're, they're so like on me about every decision. Yeah. Cause he's, he's a pretty experimental, not experimental, but like he's got a certain tone and style and I don't know how that fits into what Marvel really does, but that could have been a really cool Ant-Man film. Yeah. And I think it still came out to be a really cool no, yeah, Ant-Man it, film. It did. But you're right. Mm-hmm. If you take the stuff that Edgar Wright has done and, sort of look at that through the lens of previous as far as small miniature hero in a very studio formulaic system. 
maybe it was a good choice for him to leave. Maybe he just saw because he did Baby Driver, and that film turned out to be pretty pretty good. Sure, mm-hmm. he just saw himself running into obstacle after running into wall. His after. next film's a horror film. Ooh, really? Yeah, it's called The Last Nights in Soho. I think. Sweet. Mm-hmm. This year or next year? We hope. Mm-hmm. Unless everything gets bumped, <laughs> we're just gonna have a deluge in December. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> totally off the subject here. Okay. So it's timeout. So we're going to do a little timeout. Okay. Can you imagine what next February is going to look like? So we talk about the the, end. Dead, the dead zones. There's not going to be a dead zone in 2021. That's good. There? Maybe this is a, a like a wake up call for Hollywood. Like why not have something good out every week? Don't take off from January 20th to Memorial Day. <clears throat> like get going. There's plenty of monetizable weeks in there. Do it from the get-go. And I think we're going to see that because everything's getting bumped. If it's not going straight to streaming, it's still going to be theatrically released in a weekend where there's no competition. It's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting fall next yeah, year. That'll be pretty good. Or I guess not fall, winter, huh? Yeah. <laughs> On time. <laughs> All right. Back to the court. Okay, so do we, it's Avengers, right? Yeah, it's it's a pretty important because... It was a formula that proved, okay, we've set up all these standalone films. Can they coexist and jive together? And I, a lot of that's Joss Whedon. He's a great writer, and he found a way to drive all of that together. We're so spoiled with the success of the franchise as a whole that I think we forget what bad ensemble pieces can look like. Mm-hmm. I will give you pretty much anything in DC. <laughs> yeah. And you can see if it's not done well and yeah. executed expertly, set up properly with prior entries that matter yeah you get the mess that is podcast you know that we did on the dc rock gut dc Mm -hmm. so again we're spoiled because marvel's done such a good job but that is a monumental task and think about evans yeah and downey jr just the side i love robert downey jr please Mm -hmm. nobody i'm not a fan of chris evans Mm -hmm. but whatever right everybody knows that yeah (laughs) see knives out um listen to knives out listen to knives out yeah just managing the egos mm-hmm. alone on set for that. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Samuel L. Jackson. That's a I, th- I think the success of Endgame kind of makes you forget a little bit of what came before, which yeah. was this film, and how Joss Whedon laid a lot of the groundwork on how to like make this work going forward. So you got to give him a lot of credit for the success of Endgame and, End- and Infinity War. Okay, so we have Avengers, the original. Except he was kind of driven out by... Studio controlling too. <laughs> he was. <laughs> okay, six eleven. Okay. This is always an interesting matchup, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So at six we have Thor Ragnarok mm. at eight hundred and fifty-four million. <sighs> and Spider-Man Homecoming at eight hundred and eighty-eight million. This is kind of easy for me. I don't, it's, it's, it kind I, of I, is for me too. I like Spider-Man Homecoming. It's pretty good. Thor Ragnarok's a revelation. <laughs> Agreed. The biggest Spider-Man person in this house is me right now. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch Ragnarok versus almost any Spider-Man entry except for the original second one. Yeah. So I guess on paper that looks good, but it's not really that close, is it? Because Ragnarok, like, right, he, the Taiko Atiti and crew found a way to make that character so interesting and finding the tongue-in-cheek humor that he's known for. Mm-hmm. Thor's always been a buzzkill for me. Like he was my least a favorite all the way up until that film. And then you watch that and you're like, oh my God. And then the, he carried that into Infinity War and he was incredible in that too. To me, it's Ragnarok. That's a infinitely rewatchable film. It, I think it's really good too. The dynamic with him and Hulk and yeah. What do you think? Yes. So on paper, this looked like a really close matchup and this ends up buying by the end of the game, like a 15 to 20 point win for Ragnarok. 
Sweet. Round two. So bottom half of the bracket is Infinity War versus Winter Soldier and the Avengers versus Ragnarok. Uh, you want to go from top down or bottom down? Let's, go, top down let's go top down again. In game versus Civil War. <sighs> Here's let's address the elephant in the room. Is that end game? Yeah. <laughs> Time travel. <laughs> I think we can argue that the results of Winter Soldier, which lead into Civil War, yeah. handle time travel much better than Endgame does. You mean just like flashbacks? <laughs> no, I mean like if you don't develop the stuff that happens with the Winter Soldier to cause the rift between the sure. da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's like you said earlier, man out of time. Mm-hmm. That's man out of time. We're talking specifically about time travel. Yeah. And then we spent a good, was it two hours? Yeah, that's a great episode. Deconstructing some good, but the, a the, lot more bad within the, game. Well, the a lot of, it's, a, it's a well-made film and well-acted, well-constructed, and it's very exciting to see everyone on the screen. But when you start really think sitting down and thinking of, of the plot of of the time travel elements in Endgame, you're just like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, just three weeks ago, you sent me another thing on that. That's like, oh, what, what about this? What did I say? Did I say, how did Cap uh, turn the the tesser, uh, the, the, the space stone back into the, the tesseract. tesseract? Right. Like, how does he reform a gem into a, a, a cube? The million dollar question that the Russo said, we're not going to answer that. And then the film just comes back with old Cap and he's like, no, I'm just not going to talk about that. <laughs> Ever heard that song, Behind Closed Doors, by Charlie Rich? Yeah, so it, there's issues for sure. Uh, I, okay, in this type of matchup, to me, Civil, Civil War is one of my favorite comic storylines in Marveldom. It's handled really well, and there's a lot more players in the, the comic version, Mr. Fantastic and the X-Men, right. uh, Daredevil and the Punisher and all of them. For what they were able, they were limited based on what they owned to put into that film I thought was pretty remarkable and who they put on each side made sense to me agreed uh and then obviously you couldn't have the whole Marvel universe fighting off but what they were able to do there in that airport sequence is pretty remarkable yep introducing Wakanda as this kind of this nation power introducing that character and then creating the rift between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark that essentially leads them to kind of split apart for the duration of phase three. <laughs> and I would actually argue even at the end of Endgame, mm-hmm. I don't know if those two ever really get it right with each other. I mean, I think they're back to a place where they can stand each other. I mean, they shook hands, but there was, you see, that's an Endgame miss. I thought there was a missing scene in that film of them kind of like making peace and breaking bread one more time. And it's, of course, it's when Cap is the one instead of Pepper. Yeah. To give Tony the eulogy mm-hmm. in front of the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Wild miss. Mm-hmm. Do we have a huge upset brewing right here? I don't know if it's so much as an upset. It, time, to me, is not going to be kind to Endgame. It's really in everyone's head because of how big and monumental. Yeah, it was a must-see. Okay, it, so let's do one more because I know I think you, I'm with you where this is going, but we have to be fair and consistent. Okay. For the totality of the story, mm-hmm. is there enough in Civil War to fend off the culmination of 22 films in Endgame. It look, I, I know we don't love the ending, but it is ending and it's ended appropriately. And you know, it's an ending, but then, then Far From Home comes out and it's kind of like a pseudo ending. You know what I mean? Yes. So what's that? Sounds like it's an upset. Four beats one Civil War advances. Muy interesante. Nice. All righty. Ooh, this is hard. It sure is. Guardians 1 versus Iron Man. I... <laughs> 
I know where I'm going to go on this one. Well, um, tell me. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Iron Man just because the origin of it is so important. It is. I know expanding space is wildly important, and I will venture that as much as Marvel is trying to not leak that we're going to keep next phase five or this next round, Adam Warlock is sitting out there waiting to be tackled, and they didn't <clears throat> introduce that without some way of using it. Maybe we'll see that with the Eternals when that gets released. Mm-hmm. But I think the Guardians, yeah, as you said earlier, opened up another angle into the Marvel Universe that hadn't been done yet. Now, we haven't done it with Namor and the water yet, and sooner or later that has to come too. Yeah. But this gave us another playing field. Mm-hmm. So Iron Man is the rules on how to play. Like, this is the rules to tennis. Yeah. Love, 15, 40, game, right? Yep. yep. And then we come along, and Guardians is, you know, you can play this on clay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And I think a lot of that falls on James Gunn. He just handled it so well. Yeah. He's a great writer. He's a great, uh, he just understands those characters so well. Matt, I got to ask you though, how awesome is Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout? It's like the greatest ride. So great. <laughs> Iron Man doesn't have a ride. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. That speaks a little bit to fan fandom, right? To me, okay, on paper, to me, Iron Man has, you know, some stuff working for it. To me, Guardians is the biggest risk I think Marvel's ever taken so far. You have a film this kind of, literally, the Guardians of the Galaxy are probably D-list in the Marvel Universe um, through the 70s and 80s. And here you're pitching an idea about a talking raccoon and a tree that says the same three words. And you're essentially casting a lot of, not relatively unknowns, but not they're not like handling big budget films and it's not only setting up one of the other gems, which is the Power Stone, and we know we hate Ronan the Accuser, but what it opens up and sets up, and it to, for that to be such a risk on paper to pay off the way it did, to me, that's a huge, huge win. And that soundtrack's awesome. Okay, so yes, mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. There's got to be seven to eight years between the release of Iron Man and the release of Guardians. Guardians is only able to beat Iron Man by a little under $200 million, mm-hmm. despite having eight more years to develop a universe. The point is not revenue wins, but mm-hmm. the point is yeah. the sustainability of Iron Man is also really important. It is important. To come out of the box and hit it like it did. Mm-hmm. So which one's more enjoyable? <laughs> I kind of got to go Guardians a little bit. Kind of think I do too. Those characters are infinitely fun. We 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 could mean you, you and I, could watch a Drax standalone film, and mm-hmm. we would be. They'd have to kick us out of the theater because we'd be laughing so hard. Yep. And that was all set up in the first film. Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. He he owns that character so well. And then, even though Groot only says three things, that moment when he kind of envelops them in his Groot shield is somewhat heartwarming and kind of sad when. He's kind of going down with it. You know what I mean? We're off and... Ronan blows. He sucks. He sucks. But the stuff that with Nebula and Gamora, and we're introduced to Thanos, the Josh Brolin Thanos in that film too. I forgot about that actually. Yep. Okay, so we've said on this a lot, the Mm -hmm. less is more. Mm -hmm. I think this is one case where more ends up being more. This is Warmonger and Iron Man in the first film. Mm -hmm. You get a brief appearance by Nick Fury, Sam Jackson at the end. Mm -hmm. This is eight characters, if you include Nebula. Mm -hmm. 
And the collector. So yeah, we're at nine. Mm -hmm. I think this might be the winner because in this particular case, mm -hmm. this was the first time. Yeah. More is more. Mission breakout rocks. It does. <laughs> Especially Halloween when it's night. They're playing like Megadeth in there. So <laughs> <great>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's going to first, first two entries in the final four civil war versus guardians. That's going to be hard. That's a good one. All right. Infinity war versus winter soldier. Well, we set it up so much that it didn't have legs. So it kind of doesn't. Right. Yeah. Just move on. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Bottom half or bottom, bottom section Avengers versus Ragnarok. It's kind of tough too. I think the thing that sticks out the most to me on this is the usability of the villain in the film. I guess you can say the Avengers main or chief antagonist is Loki, mm -hmm. but it's also themselves, which includes the Hulk. That's that whole middle chunk of the film. And then it also includes, I actually wouldn't say a stormtrooper like cadre of bad guys, because I do think the Chitari have a value in the film and that there is <clears throat> a force beyond the heavens mm -hmm. that has ill intentions slated and is an entirely malleable force to use against earth. Mm -hmm. Now let's take the same argument with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Who is the main villain in Thor Ragnarok? It's Kate Blanchett. Hella. Mm -hmm. So instead of going to another otherworldly situation we're going to classic mythology and hell so i don't know if there's a lot of separation there because just on paper you would say well it's the forces of the underworld clearly over space aliens but it's kate blanchett mm -hmm. and not that i have anything against kate blanchett versus like Hella versus, I mean, the, the, I guess the crux is they both kind of are centered on the same as guardian no, they, bad guys. They are, and to me, that doesn't really play in the the first two, which I'm glad they're not on this on this bracket because they'd get smoked by me. Yeah. To me, the third Thor film shouldn't be as enjoyable and as well made as it is. Because well, you hate the Dark World. Oh, that's the worst one of the bunch. So that's, I think, a strong vote. In its favor from you. I think I went hesitantly to see Thor. I was, I was like, I'm going because I have to. Like, I'm obligated to this cinematic universe. And I was just so just blown away by the tone and the humor. And I've told you. They both do a good job with humor, don't they? I've told you many times that the best thing that ever happened to Thor was him losing Mjolnir. Yeah. At the beginning of that film. Yeah. You are unworthy. And then he's and then he didn't have it in 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 Infinity War either. To me, that's that's always been a crutch for the character because it's so powerful. And that removing that revealed more layers to his character. And it was kind of this missing piece of where's Hulk been and Thor been this whole time while everyone's civil warring and age of and all of that. This is what they've been up to. And I think it works really well. Like Asgard's destroyed in the end, and they have to take the inhabitants of Asgard and go start a new population that gets kind of decimated at the beginning of Infinity War in a tragic way. Okay, so let's talk about the action sequences. Which does the grand culminating action sequence better, Avengers or Ragnarok? Because I'm going to say, in this case, the winner is Avengers. It is for the final sequence. Yeah. 
the Avengers, the first kind of two acts is all set up for that. It is. Hulk's mm-hmm. chasing them through the helicarrier, wherever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting, and yes, I agree. It's tough because one sets up the formula of how to do a team element. One takes a pretty bland vanilla character and totally reinvents him for a third entry. Not many of these films have reached a third entry. Which one's more important for the furthering it's, of the franchise? It's the Avengers. I know, but because I agree, but Ragnarok's more enjoyable to Let watch. Let me ask you, what do you think the better film? Oh, God, Ragnarok. I think the humor in that's better. And again, if you can take chicken spit and make chicken salad out of it, which is Thor mm-hmm. and the Hulk, because the Hulk is even more unreadable than Iron Man. Look at the first two Hulk films. Mm-hmm. It killed Marvel. Yeah. And he's good in this, but he's good as a side character. Yeah. And that's what they play him as. And that's what he should be. Mm-hmm. There's a great, and then you got Jeff Goldblum in that one too. <laughs> right. It's my birthday. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And Valkyrie, she's, ah, oh man, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm willing to give Ragnarok the edge over this one just because it has no business being as decent and as rewatchable and as we're talking about it so much. But I think that's handled by such Taika Waititi. This is a man that's made what we do in the shadows and Jojo Rabbit. Like he's really kind of cut his teeth in Hollywood now. They're talking about giving him some keys to the Star Wars kingdom at this point. He had he wrote and directed a lot of the Mandalorian episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. Man, right. I, at that point, I'm like, give him the keys because I've seen what he did with such a worthless character in Thor. And he's, you talk about Iron Man being pretty worthless in the comics. No one reads Thor. Maybe this is the Stevie Wonder model for me. <laughs> and that's, should you be punished for your latter-day sins despite a really great beginning? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Because Age of Ultron isn't good. Yeah. Whereas let's flip it. Mm-hmm. Let's take young, young Dave Grohl <clears throat> with the Foo Fighters and how shitty that first album is mm-hmm. compared to anything. Color in the shape and wasting light in those rock. And that's Ragnarok. I kind of want to go Ragnarok with this one. I think I'm with you. Let's do that. All righty, the final four. Do you like that Stevie Wonder and the Foo Fighters just got compared to the Avengers and Ragnarok? <laughs> Never again will that happen in <laughs> podcast history. How about that? Excellent. So the final four, let's go to the first matchup here. We have Civil War versus Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, let's pause for one second and toast, because here's what I'd like everybody out in Ryan Nation to do. We're not going to stop the podcast, but mm-hmm. we have Civil War versus Guardians 1 mm-hmm. and Infinity War versus Ragnarok. Before we go any further, you hit pause on your listening to this podcast, like stop the show for a minute and just take a second and see if you can figure out where this is going for yourself before we do us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll just let you guys do that. And away we go. And go. All right. <laughs> Civil War versus Guardians. Jesus, man. Mm. Well, I did a lot of praise on Guardians and I'm not ready to back off of it. Like even in this matchup, to me, Civil War has a lot, like you got a lot of returning players of Chris Evans and Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson and all these people. It, to me, Guardians is just such a thing out of left field with just taking a chance on Chris Pratt, who was on Parks and Recreation as your lead and kind of running with this kind of dysfunctional team. And I think that's why we like it, Matt. It's a family element that's like the most messed up family you've ever seen. 
it's them doing Fantastic Four when they don't even know how to do Fantastic Four. I agree. Mm -hmm. But here's my argument for Civil War, and that's in the totality of where this is going, that's a much more important film. It definitely is. And the other family element that's in play in Civil War is Cap versus Tony. Mm -hmm. And that's the two brothers that have fractured and split. We even have two very distinct teams Mm -hmm. and a unique environment that they're fighting on. That tarmac scene is unbelievable. That's really good. My vote for this one okay. isn't by a lot, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with Civil War. I'm not saying it's 100. You may be able to dissuade me because I know you like <laughs> Guardians, but I'm, I'm on the side of Civil War right now. And my, my answer on that is, my, my rationale, I mean, I think it matters more for where the franchise goes. Most definitely. But Matt. I know. How awesome is Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Break? <laughs> <laughs> you used that one again. <laughs> For those of you that, whenever Disneyland reopens, you got to go and get on that ride because it, like, everyone was really freaked out that Hollywood Tower of Terror was going away. That ride's just as good. Better. It's it's kind of better. Yeah. <laughs> kind of better. Right. <sighs> well, to make the case for the Avengers, they are creating Avengers Academy at Disneyland. Yeah, eventually. It's coming. Yeah. With Ant-Man having his own microbrew. Maybe we'll do <laughs> Really? That's true. That's awesome. Come on. Queen Porter. Queen Aunt Porter. Yeah. Hey, I drink that. Yeah. Yeah, this is hard because, yeah, Civil War to me is a better Avengers 2 than Age of Ultron is. Yeah. In fact, Avengers, it should have been Avengers Civil War instead of Age of Ultron because they they bungled that so bad. And Ultron's kind of a decent character. Yes. If done well. Yes. Uh, And I like James Spader as Ultron. But they got knocked out right uh, right away. That film sets up a lot that works. Black Panther, the new Spider-Man, a lot of other characters, the Winter Soldier, the fraction between Tony and, and Steve. I think you have your answer. Barely. Just barely. Yeah. Okay, it, so it's important to set up the cosmic Marvel universe because that sets up a lot that we haven't seen yet and a lot that's currently on Feige's bulletin board or whatever he's using. If we go back and we redo this. Pre-scroll, all of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If we redo this with the cosmic element that might have more ties to Guardians insofar as why that was so important to introduce us to space Mm -hmm. versus introducing us to the team element on Earth to shield, Mm -hmm. then maybe this changes. But it doesn't change for this because the 22 film franchise has run its course. Mm -hmm. Again, I think this is... It's really nip and tuck down to the wire. I'm you get you, a steal and a layup, and you've got to play the foul game and lose by two. I'm telling you, um, I could give two shits about the Eternals coming out. I'm going <laughs> to see it because I'm <laughs> obligated to this franchise. Yeah. If they take a page out of Guardian's book and find a way to do that with that, you got a winner on your hands. Sure. So... And that's the other cosmic weird world. But yeah. I mean, it did make the final four. That is pretty monumental. Here's the other thing that Civil War kind of proved was that the Russos could handle a big budget team oriented film. And I think that's why they were given the keys to Infinity War and Endgame too. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Civil War makes it to the finals. (laughs) That was was hard. But Matt, have you been on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission (laughs) Breakout? (laughs) Heard about that right. Heard it's really good. All right, the bottom half. So Civil War took down Guardians 2, Mm -hmm. Endgame, and Guardians 1. Boy, that's a tough road to get to the final four. It's a good movie. Cut down that net, boys. Be proud. All righty, we got Infinity War versus Ragnarok. 
Look, Ragnarok's good. I was just singing its praises. I can't wait till we on Rice Smile proper do the Avengers Infinity War episode. Yeah. Because that's going to be such a great episode because of that film should never work on paper for all the plot lines and characters it has to juggle and juggle setting up the arch villain and the collection of stones. And it's essentially a heist film. And the way it works is flawless in my eyes. The creation of the Black Order mm -hmm. to accompany Thanos on his endeavors is so good because they're not as developed as the Avengers team, but each one of them has mm -hmm. a role in the team hierarchy. Mm -hmm. The strategist, the bruiser, the like they've got it all. Mm -hmm. And it's after a really important weapon. Yep. Yeah, Ragnarok's really good, mm -hmm. but I do think Infinity War probably has this one beat. Yeah. Alrighty, we got the final matchup now. Captain America Civil War versus Avengers Infinity War. Two team-oriented films, one setting up a rift between ideals of we need to register up to be accountable for our actions, one that we can't put that type of persecution on us, versus the ultimate quest for the fate of the galaxy. To me, the stakes are higher in Infinity War. <laughs> like, just much, ideal. You're talking much. about government and, and signing documents versus literally decimating half of human existence. And what the film does so great is that it actually does it. Yeah. It's not afraid to kill its heroes. To me, Infinity's uh, cliffhanger ending is very Empire Strikes Back-like, and you know how much I like that film. Right. It's got the same feel to it pacing-wise and the way it kind of just leaves you wanting more. And then making you wait more for the inevitable outcome. Endgame's the return of the Jedi of this franchise. It really is. Right. There's things to like about it, but then there's things to like, eh, Ewoks, time travel, ew. same thing. It's funny that they're both in the middle parts of those movies, too. That's right. <laughs> My favorite moment in all of the MCU is actually in Infinity War. And it's it's when Thor goes to Nedavalir and makes Stormbreaker. And there's just this kind of delay in time and they sh shoot back to Wakanda and then through the Bifrost, through the powers of, of this, he he's able to just jump into the Wakanda action and Cap, Black Panther, uh, a Black Widow, they haven't seen Thor since Age of Ultron. Black Panther doesn't even know who this man is. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a raccoon and a tree with him too. Tree. Meet Rabbit. And he shows up and he goes, bring me Thanos and just lays the smackdown on the on the on the Thanos army. And it is when we saw it in the theater, IMAX opening night, that theater erupted at that. And we're oh, yeah. erupting at a Thor moment. Right. Get out of here. OK. And then also comedic enough in his delivery that's not so up like pretentious Kenneth mm -hmm. Branagh. Mm -hmm. The battle sequences are superb. Mm hmm. Wakanda is really well suited for it. Mm -hmm. All of the characters matter. And if we can just get vision fixed in time, it's going to be okay. If we can get that, that stone decoded and broken down and diagrammed, then it, and it's, there, there's this race against time that continues to happen over and over. And what I really, really think is the success of this movie. And then 
not so much in the second film because it ends up being a prequel, mm -hmm. is Thanos has a good plan. Mm -hmm. His execution sucks, but he's right. Yeah, There's too much demand for the supply of natural resources available. We've got to hit reset. Mm -hmm. And I don't even want to rule over it. I'm not going to destroy this and leave rubble and sit on the throne of, of ash. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go far, man. Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for that writing mm -hmm. to not just be, I'm going to kill just, oh, everyone what and take what, it over. That's Ultron. What an alley-oop for me, because I don't think we're giving enough credit to the writers of, of Infinity War, which is Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Fantastic job, fellas. To that, let's raise it up. I would, that. I would love that gig, but I would be so intimidated by it at the same time. You're tough, it, right? It's two guys that really just kind of. Those guys also wrote Civil War as well. <laughs> Maybe you and I can cut our teeth on Moon Knight first, and then we can get into the give, League with the Big Boys. Feige, give us Moon Knight. We'll make it great. Yeah. I've watched Civil War a few times. I think I've watched Infinity War more times. And it's to me, it's the perfect alley oop that's slightly rim rocked by Endgame. It's why I like second entries in trilogies. It's it's always that it's a cliffhanger. It, everything's left so up in the air. And if you want a film made in the last decade that left things so up in the air, I think the reason of Avengers Endgame's success was the cliffhanger to Infinity War is so brilliant. Yeah. I'm going Infinity War in this final matchup. I am too. Mm -hmm. And for as much as I like in Civil War. Mm -hmm. I don't really know if this is that close. I mean, in Civil War is a superb movie. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh, yeah, it is. But <clears throat> Infinity War is a full deviation better. Mm -hmm. That's a terrific film at 21 entries into a franchise. That's a lot to carry mm -hmm. and make sense and keep up with. And you have roles and changing directors and arcs and subtext and all of the things that are necessary to be pulled off and those guys wrote a masterpiece in that film and the reason you know it mm -hmm. is because when they snap yeah and half of the team disappears mm -hmm. and you look around and there are several people with nary a dry eye mm -hmm. and discussions for a year ish yeah over well who's got to come back and who this and who that and How's how are we going to get him back mm -hmm. you're literally reliving the empire strikes back in real time mm-hmm that's a monumental moment and it can't be can't I can't speak about it in high enough glowing terms that represent how important mm -hmm. those moments are yeah. in film. Mm -hmm. This is it. My second favorite moment in the MCU is actually in that same film and it's both the, one and two. One really. and two is and it's the moment when when Thanos is you know he's pulling down he, I think he has the, the space stone at that point. And he pulls down the nearby moon on Titan. Oh, yeah. And they just cut to the look on Stark's face within the mask, which they're always really good at doing it. The look on his face is just like, fuck, like this oh is this is the guy we have to deal with. And he pulls this moon on him, and you think, man, it's curtains for him. And he almost deals him the death blow there on the planet. Mm -hmm. And him having to tell Parker, like, like, see him die out and fade away. And him and Nebula are the only ones left. That's kind of it's kind of really sad, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Infinity War for me. That to me, that film's gonna age really well in time. Yeah, no, no argument here. Our grand champion of the MCU universe is Avengers: Infinity War. Excellent, Matt. This would be fun to do with a lot of other different franchises and/or series like 
horror films, I'd like to see Halloween go up against like Nightmare on Elm Street or Evil Dead. Ooh, if Halloween went up against Evil Dead, I don't know if I could contain myself. <laughs> like take slasher horror and go one through ten or something? Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. That would be fun. Or even like antagonists. Like 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 that would be cool. We've talked about best picture winners. Like that'd be like got the Godfather versus like you know, like Ben Hur. Like that could be a lot of fun. Big five winners. Mm-hmm. Best big five winner ever. Yeah. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So we hope you like this little tournament, uh, spectacular, uh, courtesy of Rice Smile and the shot this week. And, you know, we got some great stuff coming up for you. But until then, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. And we'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody.